So we don't have enough. We're going to pass the plates again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm excited to introduce our guest speaker today. Um, Jeff and Carly Arkell have been um, anchors in our church for quite some time now. Jeff, uh, both Jeff and Carly are city group leaders, um, but also um, he serves on the finance committee in our church. He's a super smart guy when it comes to finances. He's helped a lot of you guys out on, uh, you know, meeting with you individually and as couples and some of our premarital stuff. And he's also a big Chiefs fan, so he's a little bit on edge thinking about this afternoon. We're going quickly today, people. We're going quickly. <laughs> but uh, we're, so, sermon. we're so excited um, for Jeff to speak to us today. Him and Carly have been so critical to the mission of our church. Just thankful for you serving in this way. So welcome, Jeff Arkell. Thank you. Oh, Wow. You guys are awake and warmer, I think. At 9 o'clock, they're like, I was like, this is going to be a rough one. All right. So super honored and humbled to be up here talking to you about biblical finances and what God says about money. So before I go into anything, I just want to tell you that no matter what you think about finances, this is a message of hope. It's hope in Jesus. Hope in that you will not look at your finances in a way that makes you feel anything but hopeful. Because God is our riches. That's the point of the story. So if you want to leave now, you can just leave. Like literally, that is it. God doesn't care about our money. He doesn't want our money to capture us. He wants our hearts, right? That's all we're going to talk about today. So we're going to get into some practical stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of scripture. But ultimately, we're really just going to talk about what God says about it and how you can use it as a blessing every single day. So I, um, Derek asked me to come up here and talk about this. And I'm like, no, thanks. And... Um, but then a good buddy of mine, Marcus, um, gave me a podcast uh, that I've been listening to. It's the Bema podcast, if you want a new podcast in your life. And um, I love how this guy, Marty Solomon, breaks down scripture. He was in the um, book of Samuel, and he was talking about David and Goliath. And I read that story and seen it as a kid many times, right? But um, in that story, in that time, um, what I didn't know was that Saul, Saul was supposed to be the guy. Saul was supposed to be David, right? Saul was supposed to be the guy that goes up against Goliath, and I got this. And they all looked to Saul. And where was Saul? He was hiding in a tent, right? And he was coming up with all the reasons, like, oh, practically I can't do this, and that giant's huge, and, you know, why don't we just wait a little bit? Saul literally sat for seven days in a tent, and then David comes along in one day, and he's like, let's do this. I got this. He's like, I got three stones. I'm five foot tall, and we're on it. And so basically, David stepped up, and we know the end of the story, and so how the, how the author of the podcast talked about it is, that's God, that's God asking us in our daily lives to step out in obedience, whatever that is for you, right? Take the first step and know if you are under the power of God and under his will, it's gonna, you're going to win. You're going to, you're going to conquer that. And that is so apropos for our finances, guys. It really, really is. So I'm just up here slinging my stone because it's part of my story. So sorry if it doesn't work out. Um, but I am, uh, I'm not in finance as a profession. I'm not a financial wizard by any means. If Derek was here, he'd have a whole lot of regret on his face. But I'm up here because um, God broke me. It was a part of my redemption story, part of my salvation story um, in God. So I grew up upper middle class, and uh, we didn't want for anything, and my dad and mom were amazing. And, um, but I grew up with a really unhealthy view of money. I felt that if I had money or if we had money as a family or if we were able to do this or buy that, then we were valuable. We were then worthy because the world said we were worthy. They treated us a little differently at the country club and things like that. So I just grew up that way. Like my worth is in the bank account. And so, of course, right out of college, I'm like, I'm gonna get the highest paying job I can because that's how I'll be valuable. That's what'll fill that void in my heart. And um, 
So I did, I got it, and it was great. I had all making all this money. Mom was all happy. She's telling the neighbors and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so it felt really valuable, felt worthy. But it wasn't enough because I was putting my value in the wrong things, right? I wasn't putting it in Jesus. I was putting it in that bank account and what I thought it said to others about me. And so um, I, I said, I, I'm gonna leave this really high-paying job with great benefits and all that, and I'm gonna go start a slushy business. So for real, guys, I did. I started a slushy business. So we had a slushy business and a trailer, and we went all over the country selling slushies to, to people. So if that's not pursuing riches, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know what your story is, but I bet you haven't started a slushy business. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And actually, uh, my wife and I did it together the second year, and um, we've got great stories. This is not that talk, but we've got great stories if you want to hear them another time. But the point of that is, is that through that process, God broke me. And, and we almost to the point of bankruptcy, just to the point of like, this is not your pursuit. You have your ladder on the wrong wall. This is not what I want for you. This is not what I have for you. And your value, your worth is not defined in that bank account or that pursuit of riches. Um, and so we he almost put us back there and we, we came back to Jacksonville and then we said, all right, well, we know we're doing the wrong thing. What's the right thing? Let's learn about what God says about money. And so he took us into crown financial uh, ministry class and we learned a lot about the heart and about the scripture. And as Dan said, God talks about money more than anything else, more than heaven, more than hell, more than sex. More, there's no kids in here. So like more than anything, guys, and the, it, there's a reason for it. Um, and so we took Crown, we took Dave Ramsey. It doesn't matter if you're a Ramsey guy, it doesn't matter, but he loves Jesus and he has, a, he has a practical way to kind of get out of debt and be financially free. And so we took all those things. And so at the end of the day, the whole point is we learned through that process. God broke us down to <clears throat> tell me that God wants my heart, doesn't care about my money. If he wanted my money, he would squash me and then he would just take my dollars and move on with my day, his day. Um, so that's the point, guys. And again, you can go if you want right now. That's the whole deal. God wants your money, not your heart. First that. God wants your heart, not your money. <laughs> Went better the first time, I promise. <laughs> All right, then another, another thing that for us to look at is Andy Stanley. I'm a big Andy Stanley guy. Um, he says, money is an emotional subject, therefore subject to irrational thinking. That's why it's so important to base our decisions on truth, not our gut. I don't know about you, but I make a lot of money gut decisions, right? Amazon, ooh, it's so easy, it's the best, right? Um, but there's only one truth, and it's the Bible. And so we have, it's our responsibility as Christians, as pursuers of Jesus, to understand what God says about it, how to work with it, and don't be scared of it. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to be very practical. If you're a note taker, this is for you, man. This is your sermon. If you're not a note taker, I'm sorry, but maybe someone will take notes for you, or you can memorize some things. Um, but that's how I work. So we're going to get into God's word in four different areas. I'm going to challenge you with some questions that I want you to be thinking about, talking to your spouse about, and then we're going to get some practical steps. Like, what do we do? What's the next step? I'm, I'm in. I know that Jesus wants me to do this. How do I do it? So we're going to just go through this practically. So first, we are going to talk about, actually, let me read this first. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 19. So again, Jesus talks more about this than anything, and it's a big deal to Jesus. And he would say, well, why is it such a big deal? And I would say, because it's dangerous, because we're fearful of it, because it's one thing that can take our hearts. If you were here last week for Mike Berry's sermon, and if you weren't, I highly recommend you go listen to it. It was amazing. 
Um, one of the things Mike really t- touched on was one of the f- famous scriptures we all know about money is, <clears throat> for the love of money is a root of all evil. Not money is evil, just the love of money is a root. And that word A, or that letter, is so important because there's lots of things that can distract us away from what God's plan for our life is. This is just one of them. Now, it gets a lot of play, right, because it's fancy and sexy and shiny like in our world. And so people will say like, oh, wow, if you're a lover of money, then obviously you're, you're not in line with God. That's not true. God wants us to have money. He wants you to be blessed by it. It is a tool for you. It just can't become your God, right? Your hope cannot be in that. Your value is made in him and him alone. So hopefully what we're going to do today as we dive through this is I'm going to give you some scripture. Hopefully you're going to have some action. And that's, that's my goal is that for you want to take that first step of obedience for you to sling your stone today. So the four things we're going to walk through are fear. Got to start with fear always. Generosity, freedom and contentment, and then practical application. I'm going to try not to rush for practical application because that's my favorite. I'm a huge nerd. It's awesome. All right. So we got to start with fear though, right? Because it's you know, elf in the room. I mean, I'm looking at some of you. You're already mad at me. I'm sorry they asked me to talk about money. I don't know. It's like what I'm supposed to talk about. I'm sorry. But it's a subject that can, that can embody a lot of fear in people, me included. Um, when we were getting out of debt and, and, and not in a good way, we got gifted this amazing trip to New York and could not afford it for the life of us. But this very nice family member that said, hey, you guys are trying so hard. I want you to go take this trip this weekend. So we go up to New York. And I don't know if you remember pre-COVID when people go to New York. And... Um, <laughs> So we're in this hotel, and guys, I never carry cash. And I'm a finance guy. I love this stuff, and I never carry cash. It's horrible. I don't have any on me right now. If you're like, you have a dollar? I'd be like, no, but, you know, I can go to an ATM. I never carry cash. And so, and this is true way back then. So we're getting out of the cab, and it hits me. You got to tip everybody in New York, like everybody. You got to tip the taxi guy. You got to tip the bell guy. You got to tip the person at the giving you your room, you definitely got to tip the guy with your bags, right? Like you can't give him a bunch of bags and be like, thanks buddy, see ya. And so flop sweat just starts over me as I'm here. And my wife just going along, she's all newly married and she's like, oh, this is great. Look at New York. And I'm like, just in such fear of what are they going to think about me? What if, what if like, I don't, can't come up with any money. What if he does take my bags and then I just feel ashamed? Now that's silly, right? Now I should carry cash, but that's silly. So, I mean, as you could probably imagine, the story goes, we had two bags. I had one on each arm, one on my forehead, and I'm like barreling through the lobby. I'm knocking people over. They're like, can I help you? I'm like, no, boom. And so Carly's like, what did I get myself into? She's questioning her life choices because we'd only been married a year. It was brutal. But I mean, how silly is that, that I'm just so afraid of like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have a dollar for you. Now I should have planned better, right? But that's what money can do to us because not that it would have made or broken that guy's day, but the fact that I was feeling, oh my gosh, what is he going to think of me if I don't? And extrapolate that out into your life. What if we can't go to that restaurant when that couple asks us, hey, can, we, can you come out to this restaurant? Eh, we really shouldn't. We really don't have the money for that, right? So money can be fearful. Now, money's also really dangerous. Now, okay, now fast forward to credit cards and debit cards, and they're so amazing. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Statistics will show us that 87%, you will spend 87% more, and I will too, if we use a credit card versus cash. 87%. That's crazy. And so, and the reason why is it's unemotional. We just swipe the thing, and we're like, boom, I get the thing. Just like in Vegas, right? If anybody's a gambler, right? You put some chips down, they're all colorful. You're like, take a blue one. But if you said, like, take a five, you'd be like, ooh, you know, give me that back, right? And so the, the plastic makes it unemotional for us. And then 
the biggest one of all, I already mentioned earlier, everybody close their eyes for one second and imagine a world without Amazon. Oh, that was so scary. You all were so scared. I am too. Amazon's amazing, but how dangerous is Amazon? I click it and I get it within two days. And if it's in Jacksonville, I get it that same day. Those are the best things ever. Do you guys now look for the one day things? I look for them. I'm like, can I have it this afternoon? I can't wait a day. That's ridiculous. I need that now. So, but it's super dangerous. And now is any of that bad? No, no, no. God wants you to have Amazon, thank the Lord, and all those other things. What he doesn't want is for you not to be aware of what you're doing with his finances and being good stewards of it. So that's really the point. So let's dig into some scripture. First one is Matthew 6. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That one hits me hard. Um, I could have read it off of memory because I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier when it comes to finances. I'm a worrier when it comes to a lot of things in my life. And God tells me many, many times in Scripture, don't worry, I got you. And with your finances, guys, I will tell you wholeheartedly, there is hope in your finances, no matter your situation and how you sit here today. God has got you. He will give you everything that you need. Wasting your life and worrying about that. Now, being a pay, paying attention to it, yes, but worrying about it, no. That's not what he wants. He wants you to live abundantly, and money is a tool that he gives you to do that. For life is more than, more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither reap nor sow and have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Now think about that. We are made in God's image. He literally, of all the things he created so many years ago, he could have made it look like anything. We look like him. There's no greater honor than that, and he loves us that much. He also made ravens. Okay, they're okay. He's going to provide everything for the raven, and if he's going to do that for the raven, think of what he's going to do for you right? And so think through that like, God loves us that much. And last one in Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's kind of a bummer to land on. But what I will tell you is it's true. When we talk about the danger of what money can be, used properly, understood, stewarding of God's money, it is a bull**** Amen not paid attention to, put in the closet, I'll get to it later, that's what the world tells me to do with it, can lead to your destruction. It's just a simple fact and it's right there. So let's get into some challenge questions. What can we do about it, All right? So the first question I would ask you to really challenge yourself, again, if you're a note taker, take this down. If not, then, you know, just think about it. What are you most afraid or anxious of when it concerns the finances? Is it not understanding how to invest? What's a 401k? What's a 503b? What is crypto? We're not gonna talk about crypto by the way. <laughs> Quick side story. I was riding with a guy that works for me this week, and he's a young guy, and he was telling me all about how I should be in crypto. So I let him talk for an hour, and then I'm like, I ain't doing that. Like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so if you're a crypto guy, God bless you, but I don't get it. So I'm not doing crypto. But anyway, that was side. It was a side for you. Um, so not understanding how to invest, right? Not understanding the things of this world. There's other things, though, that we're anxious about. Fear of the unknown. What if? What if she gets sick? What if he gets sick? What if the kids get sick? What if there's a pandemic? Imagine that happening. Like, what if? Like, not having enough. Or is it shame or anger, right? I already told you my story in New York. Like, I was shameful, stupidly, but still shameful. Like, is that how you feel when you think about money? Is that how you feel when you heard Dan say, hey, he's going to talk about money? You're like, how close am I to the exit? Can I get out of here quick enough? So the point is, is like, 
Some of these are warranted, right? Understanding how to invest, understanding what's out there, understanding how to be a good steward of God's money, understanding what God says about money, absolutely. Those are things to be not concerned, but aware of and and dig into. The what ifs, the what if God is not big enough, that's the stuff you can put aside, right? That's of the devil. Those are things that they're trying to take from you and take you off the path of what God has for you, which is a perfect future, and it gets you consumed with things of this world when it comes to money. So practical application, how do we do it? All right, so the first thing is write down, write it down. Write down your top three fears or concerns as it concerns with money. Share them with your spouse, your fight club partner, mom, dad, dog, neighbor, anybody, right? Share it. And then ask yourself, were any of these a surprise? And if you really do this, guys, if you earnestly do it, you are going to come back with like, "Ah, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know I felt that way. But man, I get bent up about it. And I might show it in other ways, but man, When it comes to money, this scares me. This part scares me. And share that with somebody. Once it comes out into the light, as we just sang about, God is bigger than all of those things, right? There's a great scripture from, or not scripture, sorry, from a pastor, a saying the other day that I heard that said, we all want our God to be so big that he can accomplish absolutely everything. We also want our God to be so small that we understand everything he does. And that really hits, right? Because you can't have both. Is God that big that he can overcome your finances, that he can be bigger than the thing you're scared to think about or talk about right now? Yeah, he's way bigger than that. Do you have to understand why you're in the place that you're in and all the things and why he gave this to this person, not to this person, why there's starving people? Nope, you don't have to understand any of that to be faithful or obedient. You just have to step out, right? All right, so when we talk to God about this is what I'm anxious about. And I tell somebody, I'm earnest, I'm vulnerable. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm scared of. We've also got to pray to God and say, okay, I'm putting that aside. I don't feel like I'm going to put it aside, but I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to put aside that fear. I got to fill it with something. I got to fill it with something of the Lord, right? I got to fill it with faith in him that he is going to be better. When we fast or when we give up something for Lent, there's a hole, right? And there's only one thing in your life that will fill that hole, and that's Jesus. He is our riches. And so when you're able to put that thing aside and be open about your fear, gosh, come right alongside and say, God, fill me up in whatever way I can get today so that I don't have that anymore. That's the only way it goes away. So in essence, look to the Lord when you're fearful about anything when it comes to your finances, because he will provide it. He will provide you more than you're ever going to need, not necessarily want, because I want stuff on Amazon. I don't need it, but I want it. He's going to provide you everything you need. All right, number two, generosity. Okay, what does it mean to be rich towards God? All right, Are you, am I just up here saying like, hey, give more money to the church and you're all good? That is not the talk. Um, God doesn't care about the money. Again, squash Jeff, take money. That would be his, his thing if he wanted it. Um, he doesn't need my money. So being rich towards God means to enrich God. I think it means to count God as yours. So if you're looking about focus on God. He's our reward. He's our riches. Again, not identified by your bank account, the number of zeros or the things that you have. So handle your money generously in a way that would point to God as your riches versus money. God's word specifically says give sacrificially. Mike did a great job last week talking about that. And in Mark, he says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. He called his disciples to them and said, 
Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing in the offering box, for they are all contributing out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. That one hits me because I've been blessed. We're all blessed if you look at what wealth is in, in the United States, but I've been blessed. And so am I giving out of abundance? Am I truly giving sacrificially, not just to this church, but everywhere? Am I giving just in general with my time, talents, and treasures? That hits me. Next one in Matthew, he says, seek first his kingdom and you will have all you need day to day. Truly, that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for me every day is believe, help my unbelief, Lord, that I don't need that thing. All I need is you. You are more than satisfactory. So several years ago, we were with a different church and um, Carly and I were very invested and involved and we did one of those uh, vision nights, which we've got coming up. Dan talked about it earlier in a couple weeks. And everybody loves those. If you've been in church, you know the vision night, right? It's what you're going to do and what God has called um, the church to do. And, and he brings all the people together and says, hey, how are we going to do this, right? Finances are part of it, right? So we all know it. And you should come to our vision night. It's going to be awesome. But so we're at this vision night a few years ago, and I knew the deal. So I was all ready. So I'd already figured out in our budget what we could afford, right? This is what we're going to contribute to the church. It's from the write down on the piece of paper. I had no fear going into this place. So they did the thing. It was really great. Lights went low. We're all, you know, kind of good music, the whole thing. And so it comes to that time and they give us little cards and, and they say, okay, sit down and pray. And so Carly immediately goes super spiritual. She starts praying and I'm like, oh, I guess I got to pray. So I kind of go down there and you guys ever fake pray? Like ah, just admitting something to the church. I sometimes fake pray. Not that I'm not praying, but I'm not like in it. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like, all right, God, you know, we're going to do stuff and you're cool. And, you know, so I'm just, I'm not really praying, right? I'm just kind of being fake. And so in the midst though, because it went so long, like the music kept going, the lights, I'm like, bring the lights up. So we're there for a while. And I'm like, how long are we going to be here? So, but in the midst of all that, I accidentally started praying. And I'm like... <laughs> Like, hey, God, what do, you, what do you think about my number? What's that number? How does that look like? And I swear to you, in my head, audibly, as, as if you were to say it out loud, I started to hear numbers. Oh, you got me? Okay. Every single number scared me. It was way bigger than the number I had in my head and what I knew we could afford. And I'm like, no, 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 God. Nope, nope, nope. Can't hear you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, no, no, no. We're good. And so, but it just kept hitting, hitting, and the number kept going up. And so then I had to stop praying because I'm like, eventually I'm going to be broke. Like he keeps going up with this number. And so, so then I come out of it. Carly's still praying because she's super spiritual. And, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back down. So, but then he just lands on a number and it's, it's the number. And I'm like, well, this, this stinks. You know, I'm not happy about this at all. So then she comes up out of her prayer and, and she's crying. I'm crying. And I was like, how was it? You know, whatever. And she goes, God spoke to me. And I'm like, me too. And she goes, and we'd never do this. This is super weird, right? We each had a piece of paper, so we do it negotiation style. So like she had hers, she writes it down. I had mine over here, and we like do this. Like we're negotiating. Like it's our money together. Like it's not like she's giving or I'm giving. It's, I'm like, what? But we did it, and it was super weird. So we're like, here's my number. And we turn it over. It's the same number. And it's bigger than we can afford. And we're like, well, now we got to do this. I don't know. I mean, I've read the thing about too many barns and grain. Like, we'll be dead tomorrow if we don't put this on the paper. So here we go. Thank you, Lord, for the audible response. But super scared, right? And so, of course, we did it. We put it down, and that was it. And I wouldn't tell the story unless it ended cool, right? So that year, abundance, right? God blessed us with both hands. It was amazing. Stuff that came out of the woodwork, Carly's job, my job, everything. We far exceeded the number we put down on paper. 
Now, is the point of that like, hey, put a big number on two weeks from now and God's going to bless you? No, that's not the point. This isn't prosperity gospel. God is not a genie. That's not how it works. But I will tell you, when it comes to generosity, if you really earnestly ask, where do you want me to be, God? Where do you want me to be with this debt, with this decision, with my finances overall, with my giving? Really pray about it. Don't just fake pray like I did. Like, pray about it and watch what he does. Watch what he does in your heart. And watch what he does when you start to listen in obedience and walking that out. It's truly amazing. So specifically when we talk about uh, money generosity, my biggest first challenge for you is who's getting your first? Who's getting your first? Is it your mortgage company? Is it uh, student loans? Is it your credit card bill? Hate those guys. What, what is it? What's getting your first? And Why? Next question, has your giving become more comfortable? Is it just another bill? I can fall into that, right? When you're in abundance and you've got a number and you're like, oh yeah, that's what we give to the church. So you do it digitally, which is even easier. You don't have to write the check. Like, has it become that? Is, is, is giving God back his own money become just another bill to you? That you're not really understanding and reveling in the fact that the God of the universe has given me this to be able to bless others with. We've got to look at it that way, guys. We have to look at the hope in that what money can be, not as a curse, not as I don't have enough. But oh my gosh, you can't be that much. Look how much I get to give back. That's what it means to be a cheerful giver. That's what it means to be a sacrificial giver. And I'm talking to myself now too. You feel like if you give too much, there might not be enough left for you, right? That's, that's a lot of us, especially if you've never done it, especially if you've never written a budget. When you write that budget line item, you're like, what? That's expensive. God needs that much? Like, it can be daunting. Um, And then finally, what experience in giving or generosity in general has brought you closer to God? I shared with you my story from the other church. And I will tell you that I tell that story often because when you have that connection, when you're truly connected with God and the Holy Spirit, there is nothing like it. You've got to tell people. It brought me back to Scripture when the disciples couldn't help themselves, getting beaten every other day to the inch of their life, they couldn't stop talking about how amazing Jesus was. That is just one of the moments in my life. So if you have that, if money is one of those things that you're holding on too tightly, just loosen your grip a little bit and then be generous and see what God does in your heart. All right, practical application. So this is another Andy Stanley thing because I'm an AS guy. Um, So there's three Ps that I would tell you if you're like, okay, I'm kind of in. I'm kind of into what you're saying, or I've heard it before. Now I might make a move. This is what I would recommend. It's called the three Ps. First one is priority. And the first is when you budget, you have to put God at the top, literally at the top. And I know you got all the other bills and you don't know if the ends are going to meet. I totally get it. I've been there. You've got to start at the top. Set aside his, this is an Andy Stanley line. I'll read it directly. Set aside his portion first and you won't disappoint your most important guest. That's pretty cool. I like that. But why do we do that? Why does he get first? God doesn't need my money. Why does he need it first? The reason why is because he first gave to us. He sent us everything. He gave his son everything that we will ever need. He loved us first. So that's why he's first. That's the bottom line. Next one, percentage. Um, This is another good line. The more you can do to keep fear from influencing your giving, the less chance you have for eliminating God. Let me say that again. The more you can do to keep fear from influencing your giving, the less chance you have for eliminating God. If you start there, then when you get down to the other stuff, it's a lot easier. Versus if you start with the other stuff, you're like, ooh, here here you go, God, here's a tip. I'll get you next month, right? And so percentage, 
what we say about percentages, okay, the Old Testament says what? Anybody know? 10% tithe, right? That's the Old Testament. You're like, whoa, Jeff, Jesus Christ, son of the lamb, we don't need to do all those sacrifices anymore. Don't you know your Bible? Yes, you're right. So in the New Testament, Jesus clearly states, sell everything and follow me. So 10% or 100%. So those are your options. No, not at all. Again, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And so when you talk about percentage, we say percentage because it allows you to get out of your own way and from the devil getting in your mind when you start writing numbers down and you're like I was and we're like, this is what I can afford. So that's not the point. So start with a percentage. I don't care if it's 0.1%, but start with a percentage and that's how you start to give. And then the third P is progressive. So in order for us to grow in our faith, we absolutely have to continue to challenge ourselves. Otherwise, we will become stagnant. And so progressively look at it, right? And if you've been a tither or if you've been a giver for a long time or been generous all your life, look at that and say, and ask God, be like, is this some area that I need to grow in and stretch yourself? Does it feel a little uncomfortable? Because at the end of the day, all of this is God's, guys. All of it, we're just returning a portion to him. And you've got to get your heart and your mind around that. Me too. So when we talk about money, freedom, and contentment, I've been blessed to go on a lot of mission trips. Love my mission guys right here up front. I said in the first service and you weren't here. It was a bummer. I was like, oh, we're Seth. All right, so love, love mission work. And um, every time I go, I'm like, go for Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get so many people for your kingdom, Lord. And that's my goal, right? Like making it all about me. And what ends up happening every single time is God changes me. He changes my heart. I don't know if I do anything. I hope I do. We build some schools. We help some kids. But overall, he changes me. In one such instance, um, we go into you know, a little hut where... Nine people are living in the size of my living room, maybe less, and they've got dirt floors, and they've got wood beds, and they've got babies and grandpas and grandmas, and everybody's sitting in there, and man, they're happy. And at that moment, I was so jealous of them with all of my abundance back here with all of our luxuries here in the United States, and I just was like, wow, I want what they have. I want the happiness. And I'm like, why are they so happy? So then we went to church with them the next day. And I watched this family who had nothing, literally what I would consider nothing, give everything they had at the altar. Very similar to scripture. And it broke my heart, broke me down. Like, what am I doing worrying about the things that, that I don't have or things that so-and-so has or things the world tells me I need? I don't need any of that stuff. But man, I want that contentment. I want that contentment that only God can bring. And it was so evident watching them do that. So one, I advocate for missions and you should go do it. It'll change your heart. But two, know that contentment is not going to be found in the next thing. It's not going to be found in another zero um, or what somebody might think of you because of those things. Contentment is only found in God and Jesus. So what does God say specifically about freedom and contentment? In Hebrews, he says, keep your life free from the love of money. There you go there again with love of money, not money. And be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's it. That's it. Be content because you've got everything. I've got, you've got me. You are a son or daughter of the king. That's it. That's all you need. And in Timothy, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those of you want to get rich, fall into temptation and trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, again, is a, a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So again, just a warning. Like Mike said last week, watch out. Watch out. This is something that can take your heart 
and take you off the path of what God wants for you. And the final one, this is a Great Depression slogan. I don't know if anybody knows it. Use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. Has anybody heard that? No, no one's got that? Oh, man, I was hoping we have some old people in here. Okay, so in the Great Depression, there was no money. And so they were trying to use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. And it makes me think of my amazing wife, who is a thrifting guru. She's like a ninja thrifter, which is amazing. So if you like thrifting, talk to Carly. She will go thrifting with you anytime. And when I first met her, I was not that, right? I was like, I got to have the new shirt and the new cool thing. Now, everything I got on is a thrift store. So if you like this, you go talk to Carly. And uh, the point of that is, is, I mean, do we need all these things? No. Do I need that stuff? No. Right? So being content with what we have and then using what we have. So here's the first challenge. Ask yourself this question. I feel most content or get enjoyment from when I spend money on blank. I know the answer is Jesus, right? But then after Jesus, like what's your second answer? So everybody said Jesus first. And number two, what's your second most thing you get enjoyment out of? Then ask yourself the question, are these temporary or eternal? Now you might think, ooh, that's a trick question. You're just saying, okay, only give to the church. That's the only eternal thing. No, absolutely not. God wants us to build up for your families, wants you to build up for other charities, wants you to give to the needy, all different things. So you can build up eternal riches eternal jewels in heaven by doing things outside of just giving to the church, even though that is part of it. So think and just ask yourself those questions. And then what if you didn't have to think about money or having enough? What would you do differently with those treasures? What if you had that freedom in your mind right now, whatever that is for you, whether it's paying the bills off this month, it's um, paying off your mortgage, it's being able to send the kids to college, whatever it is, if you had that freedom, what would you do differently? Would you volunteer more? Would you be more generous? These are just challenges for you and for me. So then application, what does financial freedom look like to you? Well, you might say, okay, well, the world tells me financial freedoms when you got millions of dollars and you live on a yacht and you don't have any of those worries of the world that I have, Jeff, you don't know what I have. And that's not what financial freedom is. Financial freedom is believing and knowing in your heart that God is your riches. God is the end of it. And the freedom is simply practically whatever it is for you. So it might just be making your bills for this month. It might be paying off your car. It might be you know, having enough to do X, Y, or Z. So think about what financial freedom and get out of your mind that you have to have millions of dollars and then you're free, right? We're always gonna be working towards God. We're always gonna be generous. We're always gonna be saving, spending, and giving. God wants us to do all three things at all time, no matter how much you have or how much you don't have. So what would you do with your time, talents, and treasures if you got there, if you got whatever that financial freedom is in your mind? Another, another challenge question. And what things could you be doing now on your journey towards that financial freedom? So I want you really thinking about what is that financial freedom for me specifically in my family? And what's one step that I could take today? We're going to talk about a couple in just a second. But really think about that. Challenge yourself with that. Because Matthew says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. There's that word worry again. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you add, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Don't you just love birds? Don't they look like they have more fun than us sometimes? (laughs) I'm just cruising. I love birds. Except for today. It's cold out. That's for the birds. Dad joke. But, um... Truly, I mean, again, it's the same scripture as before when we're talking about ravens. God loves us more than anybody. We're made in his image. He is our hope. 
He's going to provide everything you absolutely need. Okay, last one. This is where it gets fun, right? All right, application, practical application. Super nerd me comes out. I love budgeting. I love planning. I love planning about the budget. I love talking about when we might plan about the budget. I love planning for the budget on the plan of the budget. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. You know who doesn't love it? Carly, my wife, hates it. Hates it with a red-hot passion. That is her very worst time of the month is when she says, budget day. But she's way more attractive than me and much more fun. So take that for what you will. But here's the point. It doesn't have to be your thing. You don't have to love it like I love it or Mike Berry loves it. By the way, anybody hear about his lifelong spreadsheet last week? That was the best thing ever. I'm so jealous. I'm coveting Mike's spreadsheet. Oh, it's so brutal. I got to make one. Oh, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to be your thing if that's you and your spouse. It absolutely does not have to be your thing. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as pursuers, it's our responsibility to understand what God says about money and how we can steward it. And I will attest, because it's happened in my life, it will strengthen your marriage. If you're open and vulnerable about your, your money, what it means to you, your fears, how we're going to do it, how we're going to work on it together, it's yours together, it will change your marriage. So you, Jeff, I'm not a super nerd. Like, I, why do I need to do all this stuff? Like, why do I need to learn this stuff? Well, it reminds me of a story when I was growing up in Kansas City, go Chiefs, on the hilly, hilly hills. And my dad had this Saab convertible. It was manual, right? You know, you had the five-speed. Anybody knows five-speed? And uh, so he teach me to drive the very first time. And so we get up onto this big old hill. I'm talking 45 degrees, or at least it was in my mind. And we're at a stop sign. And then this joker pulls up right behind me. You know when they do that? And it's like, why would you do that? You're a jerk. You're not going to heaven. And so you're like sitting there, and I'm super nervous, right? And so one of three things can happen if you've ever driven a manual stick shift, right? You can either grind that gear so hard because you're trying to get into it, and the transmission drops out of the car, right? And then, you know, that'd be bad. Or you, let, you don't go fast enough, and like you roll right back in the car right behind you, and then bam, the insurance, the whole thing. Or third option, you're a good driver, and then you just drive away, right? Okay. So you already know what happened to me, of course. I did both. I ground the gears really bad and messed up the transmission, and I rolled back into the car behind me. Brutal. And so from then on, I got to learn on my mom's minivan called the Patty Wagon, because her name is Patty, and it was a wagon. It said Patty Wagon on the back. That's how I drove and took my test. I'm not scarred, I promise. So why do I tell you that story? It was such a valuable, and it's a worldly thing, I get it, but to my dad, it was such a valuable thing. And all my dad wanted to do is teach me how to use it. He said, I'm going to give you this valuable thing to use. How to use it. Learn with me. Learn the right way to use it. And that's how we should be thinking about our money and how we budget, right? It's a valuable thing. It's so amazing that he gives us money. It's all his. But he gives us this tool, this amazing thing. And all God is saying is like, be good stewards, right? Learn how, to, learn how to use it. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So what does God's word say specifically? I only gave you two. There's a bunch. Proverbs, he says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. That's just a proverb about saving, right? Are you saving? God wants us to spend, save, and give all the time, no matter your situation. Another one, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. So some people get tweaked up and clenched up about that scripture. My thing about debt and the borrower's slave and stuff, I mean, just by definition, if you owe somebody something, you are enslaved to them. Now, enslaved is kind of a word. I get it. In the Greek, it's different. But just know that when you are financially obligated to somebody else for whatever, good debt, bad debt, we can have that conversation another time, you are 
sometimes not able to do the things that God wants you to do. Not able to open your hands up and be so generous or take care of other people or, or go on mission trips or any of those things that God might have for your life because I needed that shiny thing from Amazon and now I've got a credit card bill and I can't do it, right? So, so just believe and know that, again, don't need that thing necessarily. And if you get out of debt, it allows you to just walk in financial freedom that God wants for you. So here's some challenges for you. Are you more apt to save or spend? Uh, if you were here again last week, I love Mike's sermon. Um, he talked about his two little daughters um, saving and spending. And so I'm definitely the saver of the group. Carly would be the spender. But that's okay. It's all right. No matter what you are, you just want to ask yourself that question. Next one, do you currently keep a budget or a plan each month? Do you write it down? Why or why not? Ask yourself that question. And ask yourself, like, if God was there truly right next to you, watching you work your finances, would he want you to? Would he want you to know what's going on with your money? And it's not because he wants to smite you when you buy that thing on Amazon. He knows you're going to. You probably do it today. I know I will. If Chiefs win, I'm buying Chiefs gear, baby. Like, I'm going to buy it. I don't need it. I got lots of Chiefs. I got Chiefs socks on right now, guys. It's ridiculous. So we don't need that stuff. And God is not about you not having fun or smiting you when you make those decisions. But planning it out, knowing where your money's going, that's what he wants from us. Do you have any concerns as it relates to your budget? Saving for retirement, giving, paying off debt, college funds for kiddos, any of those things. If you have those things, ask yourself, what can I do about it? What can my plan be? All right, so a couple really quick practical tools. Number one is, ta-da, do a budget. Do a budget. Do a budget. Um, there's so many different ways to do them. A couple on there out there that, that I've used before, mint.com, everydollar.com. The second one's the Dave Ramsey one. Um, but what I would tell you is everybody I've ever talked to with counseling with money, they always say, I'm, way, I'm, I'm scared to put down. I'm scared to tell you what my situation is. And I will tell you that big, gross, hairy, nasty things grow in the dark. And when we put them out in the light, like we sung about earlier, they're never as bad. They're never as bad. And so put that stuff down on the budget. And yeah, it might be a little bit of a mess we got to clean up because we made whatever decision. Okay, God's with you. He's going to give you everything you need and he's going to help you out of it. So just know that that thing that you're scared about even thinking or telling your spouse right now as we sit here, it's fine. It's not as bad as you think. I guarantee it. And there's always a way out. So start a budget. Next one is, and these are, again, Dave Ramsey steps. I'm a Ramsey guy, but do not think that I'm saying go do this only. This is just one way that he loves Jesus. But there's a lot of people out there, as long as they love Jesus, I'm all in. Do their financial plan. So Dave's is, first one, get an emergency fund of $1,000. You might say, well, that doesn't pay for much of an emergency. My emergencies are like ten grand. I agree. Um, so all this is, the reason why he does this is a mental change, right? We've got to get to the point where we can't just spend everything. Right? Can't spend every part of our paycheck. So $1,000 that I can't touch, that's, that's just the start. That's it. Number two, get out of debt. Do a debt snowball. And again, good debt, bad debt. We can have that conversation another time offline. But just know that when you get out of debt, you are free to walk out God's path for what he has for you. And the debt snowball, all he says is put all your debts on a line. The, the, literally the smallest amount one, that gets paid off first. Everything else gets the minimums. After that, you take what you're going to pay on that, you put on the second one. Next one, next one, next one. That's all it is. Super simple math. Everybody can do it. Um, and it will change your life once you get out of it. You truly will. Number three, three to six months of expenses. That's more like an emergency fund, right? That's the kind of emergencies we have in this day and age with pandemics. Number four, 
Invest 15% for retirement. I've heard that you can't borrow for retirement. That's a super big bummer. So we have to, if you ever want to retire, you've got to put some away. Number five, college funding. If you've got kiddos or if you want to go back yourself or you're just going into it now. Number six, pay off your home early. That's a fun one. That's when you can really start to be generous. And then number seven, build wealth and give. Um, and that is just simply like you can, you can bless people like you've never been able to bless people. And that's where we all want to be. All right, so how do we apply all this? First of all, big surprise, start a monthly budget. I will help you with it if you want. Uh, write it down. I know it's going to seem daunting if you've never done one. Or if you're in abundance and you're like, I don't need to, the ends meet, we're good. Still do it because you will be shocked on how much money you spend on Starbucks. It's a lot, people. And what could you be doing with that money? Just being aware of it is so, so key. Number two, the baby steps or something like that. Get a financial plan. Get your financial freedom goal out there and then walk to it. Take the step today. Number three, scripture. This is the most important one. I should have reordered those. Sorry about that, Dan. Um, read and learn. What, is, what does scripture say about it? We talked a little bit about it today. Mike did a great job last week. I've got tons more. Guys, he talks about money more than anything else in the Bible, and that's not an accident. Our God is not accidental. He knows it's a, it's a garner for your heart. That money will take your heart. Don't let it do that. Know what he says about it. Believe it. And then finally, snowball your debt and get out of debt. And so you can be free and generous with what you have to other those in need. So how do we act in obedience to that? How do we take that first step? How do we sling our stone? Well, it starts with first fruits. You have to embrace the fact that all this belongs to God. None of it's ours. You can't take any of it with you. I've heard many preachers say there's no hearses. Wait, no, no U-Hauls uh, on hearses. That's the line. Anybody heard that one, right? You can't take a U-Haul on your hearse, right? Basically, you can't take it with you, and, and it's not your money anyway. So you have to believe in your heart. God has given you this tool for you to use here for your blessing. It is not a scary thing. It's just something you've got to be aware of. So the next one, being aware, treating money as a blessing. And know how it should be used. And then number three, borrow is slave to the lender directly out of Scripture. Get out of debt Allow yourself the margin to walk in freedom like God wants you to. There's margin in that freedom, guys. It's just, it's mind-blowing how good it will feel so much more than that buy now on Amazon click when you're able to give away. So I'm going to end here with the John Piper quote, which is just amazing. I didn't cry the first time. I'm try not to cry this time, but there's no, this is the end. It's almost game time. Like, you know, we'll know what happens here. All right. So Jesus piles up pictures of God to take away our fear of giving and lay, of laying up treasures in heaven. He is a shepherd. He is a father. He is a king. Shepherds know everything the sheep need to live and provide for them and provide for them everything that you need. Fathers take incredible care with their children. And kings, kings, guys, he's the king. He is not scared of any of this. Kings have the authority and the power to get it done. You are not your finances. God is bigger than that. God is all that for you. So don't be afraid. Be lavish, generous, cheerful givers. Treat God as your treasure, above all treasures. And then show how much he is your treasure by giving and giving and giving and giving to those in need. We stand while I pray for us. Heavenly Father, 
you love us so much and you much. You give us everything that we need, Lord. I pray for anyone who can hear my voice to release the fear that they might have as it concerns the finances, knowing that you are more than enough. Our hope is truly in you. We are enriched by you. You are our riches. God, I pray that someone in here just takes the first step doing out what you want in our lives for finances and know that you're going to be right there with us the whole time. In Jesus' name.